bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to After Things. I'm Andrew Mean, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello, hello. Justin Robert Young. Sup. And Mr. Bryce Castillo. Salutations, everybody. Gentlemen. Yeah. Let's talk about jobs. Bad jobs. Naughty jobs. Bad, bad, Gross bad jobs. Bad jobs. Like, like, it's, it's so weird because uh, we all smiled and thought about like, oh man, yeah, I've got a story. And now here we are to the part of the show where it's like, no, let's relive those crappy jobs that we had. And then it's like, now all of a sudden it's less pleasant. <laughs> like, I'll, like, I'll start. I, I'll start. Go ahead. I'll, I'll start. I'll start. Um, uh, I had a an internship coming out of college with uh, a um, a large there for a for a venue like in a, a coliseum arena sort of place for a few months. And I had just come out of college. I had a a, deg- a fine arts degree in kinetic imaging. I know how to make videos and audio. I can use Photoshop and all that stuff. And um, and so I spent that internship, which is probably, I would say three, three or four months or so, um, in a back closet of the like administrative office at that venue, um, going through old contracts and taking the staples out of them so that they could be digitally scanned. And that seemed to be the only job for the four people who I was working for in that office. And it wasn't until I left um, and like had as a side thing for this internship had helped make this commercial, this like PSA commercial that we talked on night attack about years ago mm-hmm. um, that, that they go, Oh, you could do, you could do stuff like that. Oh, we have a whole graphic. We have a whole team who could have, Oh, <laughs> who could have used you. And that's, and that was like, and and I would like go in, I had days I'd go in and cry because that's all I was doing. I was like, Oh my God, I just came out of college and now I'm stuck here on, you know, taking staples out of old like Leonard Skinner contracts and, and writers and like, Oh, cool. Good, good use of my time. I mean, also, especially because couldn't, couldn't you just Battlestar Galactica it and just, just cut off those corners and scan them. I mean, uh, was, did, uh, was, mm, it, was, was there, you're going to defile the Leonard Skinner writer? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell those triangles on eBay <laughs> down the list. Skinner staples. <laughs> but it, that was like there were you know there there were you know two folks and a supervisor in that office, and it seemed like that was all that they were doing every day, and so they knew they had an intern, and I guess they just popped me in cool. there instead of like talking to me and knowing that I could help out there because yeah. they have a whole marketing team. That, anyway, although I'm, I'm that that is a good. Uh, a, a good example, and this is the kind of stuff that you learn, and mm. this is this is why you know you have a an experience like this is that you know you gotta be your own biggest hype man, or at the very least you gotta sound you gotta sound the horn mm. if you believe you should be somewhere else. Like it is, it is always uh, oh, nine times out of ten, it's going to be worth it just to at least make it known and be a bit of a a, a, a squeaky wheel. Uh, in in terms of doing that, and I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. that you know, uh, you eventually got on their radar because your talent was there. Sure. But uh, uh, you know, you you know that that's 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 a good lesson to go from. Yeah. Uh, my 
man, aside from just working at restaurants, uh, uh, which are their own, you know, little, uh, little slice of hell at times, uh, the, the, I would say objectively the most boring job that I had was again, right out of college. So we're, we're, we're establishing a trend here, but I worked for an architectural, uh, ex, what was it? Expedition firm, uh, that literally, so to get a building built in New York city, you have to clear it through the department of buildings and it's a Byzantine system that at that point, I don't know if, if, if it's changed since COVID, but at, at this point in the mid aughts, you had to physically bring the plans to each borough's department of buildings. Oh dear God. Ooh. So that meant that the firm, uh, was my cousin who was the architect who would check plans and everything and mark stuff up and get it ready for review. And then me and my cousin who would take the plans and go wait in line at the department of buildings in Manhattan, <laughs> Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, and Staten Island. And so I was a professional line waiter guy. And all I did was take a number and I would sit at the department of buildings. And it, I, I'll tell you what, it was the reason that I got into podcasts. I would make sure this was like, I, I, I remember the call I had. I remember where I was in New York city when I, when I was talking to Andrew and Andrew's like, Hey, you know, uh, Apple iTunes is, is going to have podcasts on it. And I'm like, say no more. And so I, I, I loaded up the 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 iPod with the uh, you know the 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 Ricky Gervais show and and all the 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 hits of that era and that was the only thing that made it tolerable and I pray to God that I had enough podcasts to make it if I had to go up to the Bronx which was not only a subway trip from Lower Manhattan all the way up to the Bronx but then a bus ride from the subway station to the department of buildings so I could wait for an hour for somebody to take a look at the plan. So, so you know, what's funny is like, I think about this happening to you and I get angry, but then I imagine it happening to a random page boy in the late 1800s. And it just seems like, Oh, well, what are you going to do? That's how the world works. You know, the quality of the life of the 1800s. I mean, right. <laughs> also, this is happening while I've just put myself into tens of thousands of dollars in debt for being a journalist. Mm. And I'm like, How's that? How's that plan to uh, not use my degree going, huh? As I'm sitting in line, <laughs> I'm sitting in, in 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 the waiting room of the uh, Brooklyn Department of Buildings, and I'm like, I could be. It's not like I didn't like reporting. I could be reporting right now. I probably could be reporting crap stories, uh, uh, but I could still be reporting. But now I'm sitting here in this department of buildings did, and trying to be a sketch comedy did, person. Did the job pay? Yes. Like, like okay. it was, no, it was, I mean, it was enough. I mean, it was not big money, but it was enough for me to live in New York City, uh, uh, barely. Uh, but, but yeah, it was. It was okay. I was living with two roommates, uh, uh, but it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, uh, enough and it, it put me in proximity to do comedy. And that was really what I was in New York City to do. That was just kind of the gig. But uh, boy, if, if you ever wanted to contemplate all of your life decisions, uh, waiting in the uh, Department of Buildings uh, throughout, scattered throughout New York City will certainly give you the, the time to do it. So... When I, when I quit my day job at Dell, um, 
<clears throat> and again, I, I try to be pretty, pretty fair. Like, like, like coming out of college, first job I ever had was uh, in uh, uh, on a phone queue for uh, extended warranty service. And I figured out, I think I've told this story before, that very quickly I figured out that my real job was to keep making up BS things for people to do until they got so angry that they threatened to sue us unless we sent out a tech and then we would send out a tech for whatever it is, which is why nobody should ever get an extended warranty. Uh, after that, uh, uh, I, I tested video games for a while, uh, which was a good gig, but made no money, but I got to discover a lot of video games. Uh, then, then I ended up at Dell, which uh, was a good enough gig for me to get a house or whatever. But here's the weird part is then I quit my job, a, a pretty good job at Dell on a pretty uh, safe career track. I would say that it, like if I kept putting in the effort, I think I could have really gotten ahead. Um, but then when you're adrift and your wife has said you have one year that I'll keep the lights on. It is astonishing what you will say yes to before realizing what it's like to actually do. Yeah. Uh, like, like, like uh, a Marshall's opens in a mall and they need someone in a gorilla suit. <laughs> I'm, I'm You're your guy. guy. Right. Uh, um, Chef Boyardee Brands is launching homestyle. I, I think Andrew's mic might be muted. Andrew, is your mic muted? I raise you one Keebler elf. Uh, okay. I, 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 oh no, no, no. I, I feel like I feel like you and I are going to dominate the remainder of this story. Uh, 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 Chef Boyardee launches homestyle bakes, and they need somebody to wear a tuxedo, walk up and down the aisles of 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 five grocery stores per day, spending an hour at each. Uh, interrupting women who are shopping so that they can ask if they can show a magic trick to their child. Oh, my God. <laughs> By the way, the answer is the magic card is the one that says Homestyle Bakes on it. Ah, there we go. <laughs> that was a big gig that I did for like three weeks, uh, uh, four weeks straight. Um, uh, oh, shoot. Um, uh, 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 then, there's, then there's all the other times where it's like you say yes and you realize how woefully inappropriate your style of magic is for whatever event they've done. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 twisting balloons uh, uh, for, for, for drunk women who want them to be phalluses. Uh, it's a uh, get to uh, the bad part. He's <laughs> <laughs> like uh, one easy shape. You got to learn. I, I, I mean, <laughs> my point is, uh, uh, your definition Who books that uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't that the uh, uh the punchline of the famous joke is uh yeah uh yeah, uh, yeah. no it, it's it's uh, i might have to noodle a bit more about which one is specifically the worst the worst mm -hmm. yeah uh, I, I i will say if uh, you know uh, ill Link was saying that she was hoping for crappier jobs uh that was the most boring job that i had uh, uh, if we if we want things that people would not want to do, the worst was in journalism on 9-11, calling people that were suspected to be dead in the Pentagon. Right. And when I asked my editor what I was supposed to do when I got on the phone with them, by the way, my first day as a paid journalist, uh, she said, well, ask for the person that we, that we knew worked in the Pentagon, and if they start crying, mark it a maybe. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That you was, need to write about this. 
That I mean, like this, there is. Uh, 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 I will always have sympathy for journalists, uh, specifically reporters, not the people that are just doing stuff on on blogging, which is a different animal. But like, if you're really digging into stuff, especially if you're working around crime, there is an element of like you have to check your own humanity of like why am I calling this person and asking them questions in like their their their, their darkest hour? And ultimately, the answer is. To inform the public, to inform the community, you you have to kind of keep coming back to these cornerstones. But those calls, oh God, like that 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 has shards of my soul were shaved off in those moments. Yeah, and Justin kind of omitted like when we were doing manufacturing at our warehouse in Margate, <laughs> where we'd have, we'd get an or I'd be excited because we'd get an order for like eight hundred of a magic trick, which then meant we had to make eight hundred of a magic trick. And I would do like my part of the assembly at home. I just be sitting in front of my TV and I'd be putting stuff together. But Justin, for whatever reason, you know, he would be at the warehouse and sometimes we had the AC, but in the middle of the summer, it just kind of laughed at you. Yeah, no, it was, it was okay. The The biggest uh, uh, thing is just, yeah, whenever it was anything glue based, you know, you had to, you had to just be uh. spraying <laughs> the glue in the, uh, in, in, in the warehouse. But those were, you know, some of the big orders, it's like, it's like, all right, awesome. But then like, God, that shrinker order. I, 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 oh. I swear to God that, that, oh, God. Sh- that shrinker order. Cause that was a, a, an effect that was high dollar. Uh, we had worked really hard on Andrew had worked really hard on shot the video for it. Uh, but it was cumbersome. It was, <laughs> it was a big, it was a big thing and it was hard to put together and it involved just sheets and sheets and sheets of cut plastic that uh uh you know you, you then had to sort and put into these things and you had to hope that you didn't throw the the sheet plastic into the plastic bags too hard because they might rip through either the oh. bottom or the side uh, uh and, and yeah. we had there was the gut buster period where this was a, <laughs> a trick where i found out that you could use silly putty as a, as an analog for skin and you could add some ink to it to make it darker or whatever it worked as a really good analog for skin particularly had to rip silly putty was expensive i found the compound that dupont sold that is actually what silly putty is made from and so i would buy these 25 pound bales of these buckets of this stuff but then you had to like it was the weirdest thing if somebody walked through and looked through like the door they'd see this guy pulling this weird fleshlight glue cutting it <laughs> measuring it out like it was some sort of like new drug it was just the most sketchy looking thing in the world it was but, it was so funny yeah there was these like like big bricks of just like human flesh and just like like reanimator style pull out a thing and 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 weigh it on a little postal scale and then put it in a plastic baggie uh yeah no those the 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 shrinker order was the one because that had to get threaded and stuff like that but that was like that was the order that actually bought me my first iphone andrew was very excited we were very excited that we were able to sell that order and uh uh, it, it was it was a big windfall for us and we were very very excited but oh my God, that one, the gut busters were, were a pain in the ass. And, and uh, oh God, I can't remember the name of the trick now, but the one with all the uh, the, 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 the cards, the little uh, uh, flash cards. Oh, uh, focal point. Focal point. It was focal oh, point. God, yeah. And focal point had a, had, had a gimmick that had to get glued on. That was just a, a yeah. pain in the ass. Oh God. Uh, I was so, so stupid about every, my entire approach towards everything. <laughs> uh, I, 
I have, I learned a lot. Like one of my mentors, one of my heroes was Rand Woodbury. And Rand Woodbury is a great guy. I've probably told this story before, but it's worth telling again. When I was in high school, I met him through some cruise ship magicians. He said, oh, you got to meet Rand. Rand is a guy who was building illusions in Davie, Florida. I went there, ran to this warehouse, and he knew how to build stuff. He was friends with David Copperfield, who was performing on cruise ships. And Rand took me under his wing. And Rand, I'd go work for Rand at his workshop. He'd pay me some money, whatever, but I was happy to hang around Rand. Rand comes to me one day. The thing you have to know about Rand is Rand was from the era of cruise ships and stuff when people had big cats. So Rand had a cougar, big cougar, that had been on the ships, then got a little too surly. So the Rand took the cougar off the ship and put the cougar into this, this cage. There was a double cage, double walled cage out there. Not the biggest room, you know, smaller than the room I'm in right now. And uh, that's where that cougar lived. That was the cougar's life. That was not a happy life and been there in a long, long, long time. And so that cougar was just kind of old and mean. Rand was on the ships. So Rand comes to me one day and says, yeah, I've got, you know, I'm doing the cruise ship run. You know, I'm doing this run. Uh, I need you to come feed the cougar. And so I'm like, because I can't ask my wife to do it. I'm like, why can't you ask your wife to do it? <laughs> like, I, I, and also in my imagination, it's like, uh, what you go, you get a couple of, uh, uh, ribeye steaks. You, you sort of stand from five feet away and toss them. Frisbee like, them in. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's the, 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 uh, there's an outer cage, the inner cage. <laughs> so you unlock your hands shaking you unlock that outer cage you know <laughs> as this cougar just paces mountain lion paces back and forth and looks at you angry angry and you understand its claws are like big claws its oh, teeth yeah. are just these big this teeth like this bigger like this just is this is a friendly puppy like cougar yeah. this is this was a big old one right so this thing's pacing back and forth and this thing weighed 190 pounds this thing was a big cat and he's just pacing just just looking at you, pure muscle. So you open up the outer cage. Now to feed the cougar, what do you feed a cougar? Feed a cougar, a chicken, raw chicken. Like you go get a raw chicken from the grocery store. Now you can't open up that inner cage and toss it too, because once you open up that cage, there's 180, 180 pounds of feline muscle that's stronger than you and faster than you. Yeah. So there's a gap. There's this big of a gap. Okay. So what you do is you go take that raw chicken up to the gap. And the cougar comes in, swipes it, bites it, inches. You do not put your fingers through there. You're not putting anything through there because these teeth are like steak knives. It chomps this thing, bites this whole thing through there, pulls it down there, and then it eats it while staring it stares at, at you. Oh, my staring God. At you. And then you hear the crunch of the bones. Yeah. It's grinding. Crack, crack, crack. Looking at you. And he like back out close like, nice nice kitty um we would every now and then rand would use him in a show where he'd make the cat appear and the way he did that is he had to move the cat from that cage into another cage and rand didn't have enough time you know that cat was uh, those cats you probably want to have a full-time trainer and somebody to keep them really there which wasn't you know was, was just an unfortunate situation and i think that cat may have been a rescue too um he'd help like you know he'd so anyhow we have to take him and put him from one cage into the travel cage, right? And the way you do that is you open up this cage, inner cage, and you bring the cat in the travel cage. So Rand's like, Rand's got the collar, Rand's got the, the, the leash, and then Rand gives me this metal pipe. He's like, all right, 
the cat gets loose, don't even hesitate. Don't even hesitate. You got to whack it as hard as you can on the head. What? And Rand's kneeling down next to this cage. And I'm thinking of the cat. I'm looking at Rand. I'm like, whose skull is thinner? Ah. <laughs> so we go transfer the cat into the cage. And then it would, you know, uh, you know, transfer the cat there, then go put him the illusion, the illusion. Finally, Rand found uh, a place that was this this a rescue, like a real animal sanctuary for wild cats. And Rand got to the point where Rand was like, Rand says, I don't want to, I can't go near the cat because the cat's just too, too angry. And I walk, I go over there one day and there's this guy, this, this like cat trainer, this, you know, like the stocky, like German dude looks like right out of that circus sort of short guy build. There's this truck with like a cage in the back. This guy's there and he's got his trainee kid learning from him. And this guy's walking around the cage going, oh, it's okay. It's all, I understand. And the cat's going, and he's like, no, I understand. It's okay. They're going to be fine. He did spend like an hour just talking to the cat, just soothing voice. And he looks at Randy and he goes, stand back. It's time. He opens up the outer cage, walks up to the other cage. The there, he walks up, puts the leash on the cat, walks the cat up and puts him in the back. No, he's a cat kidding. whisperer. It was insane. It was just like he just had a read of these animals, had been around them his entire life, knew what was going on, put him in there, took him to this cat rescue. And so and that was that. It was just watching, watch this guy. And he goes, it's time. And he walks up and the cat was just like, okay, where are we going? Wow. I, when, when now I want to hire this guy <laughs> because okay Bryce okay yeah. Bryce <laughs> I meant more for the Weimar honor but yeah <laughs> oh uh, man well I think uh, uh, well, so, so, so what what's the lesson to take away from bad jobs because there's the there's a gift in every curse right um uh at the very least, you get to figure out what it is you're not well-equipped to do and what it is that does or does not take advantage of your natural gifts. Um, I learned that I'm not very flexible without structure of some variety. You know, when it, uh, That's the reason I wanted to do my magic show and not walk around in a gorilla suit and just, you know, improv a bunch of, of what, what not yeah, or whatever. That sounds awesome to me though. I mean, do, do I have $50 for you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from done, I was going to pay you $50. <laughs> I mean, from, my, my very uh, first job, very first day was a movie theater was this second run movie theater. They hired me cause I was 14. And so like, I couldn't legally work, but I wanted to work and I go there and they'd pay me under the table. Um, and the first day, they walked me into the bathroom. They gave me this orange-scented cleanser, which I will never be able to forget the scent of. And he's like, mm. clean the toilets. And I'm like, all right, it's my job. Clean the toilets. And, like, I had a, you know, I have a friend that has a movie set, and there's a problem because, like, the bathrooms weren't clean. And my girlfriend's like, what would you do? I'm like, well, my first one would be I'd pay somebody to come. I'd hire. I wouldn't make my crew use dirty toilets. I would first, I would see if I could hire a cleaning crew to come in and do it. If I didn't have the money to do it and nobody else had the time, I would clean it. It's like gross. They're like, just, I'm like, I know, but I don't want people to use that. And that's not beneath me. That's right. yeah. not beneath me. Yeah. There is, if I have to, you know, I have, I have friends that like they get out of work, they go through rough spots and all they do is wait for the next ship to come in because they refuse to do anything that they consider beneath them. Yep. 
I don't have that. No. If if all of a sudden I was in a financial bind or whatever like this, and I'm like, oh, I could do DoorDash or whatever, and I could, you know, I could do this efficiently, whatever. I would do it. I don't care. Like you're not gonna. Nobody's gonna ever look at me and go, ha ha. You have to do this and make me feel bad, you know? Because like I just, if it's if it's if somebody else is capable of doing it, I'm capable of doing it. Nothing's beneath me. Yeah, I mean, I think that regard. I mean, within limits. <laughs> like yeah. Andrew, I've got an offer for you. Uh, the biggest thing that I learned, and that was for all the the situations, specifically with, uh, you know, like working with Andrew or, or, you know, through, through journalism or whatever, is that you, especially if you want to do something creative, it really, 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 really helps. And I cannot stress this enough to understand how the machine really works and not just your own creative impulses, not even just your own ability to produce, uh, your ability to fit into the larger system, to understand what marketing is, to understand like for, for Andrew, it was a crash course of like, okay, how do you, you come up with a magic trick? Let's say it's a great magic trick. Everybody loves it. Everybody that you showed it, you go to Magic Live and everybody you're showing it to is like, this is the greatest thing ever. What happens then? Like, here are the people that you talk to. Here is what you can expect to sell it for. Here's what a, a jobber rate is. Here's what an invoice looks like. Like, here's what it takes to manufacture it. Here's how you source out how you manufacture it. Here's where it's inefficient. Here's where it is efficient. Like. That's just, it's all those details that I think creatives in general get scared of and shy away from because they're not the fun part. They're not the create, they're not the, they're not the creative part. But if you really want to make this a living, either you're doing it all yourself or you better understand what that system is. Because if you're going to get taken advantage of, that's how you're going to get taken advantage of it. We ran that magic and we, we never should have had a magic business like that. We never should have done a <laughs> thing like that. That was, that was the, the worst use of our skill. It's not like, it's not like we're a situation where Brian is producing multimedia content and then builds like a big, you know, think geek like store on top of it. We're making magic tricks to the small, narrow audience. It was the dumbest use of our skills whatsoever. That being said was we were incredibly efficient. We learned yeah. how to be extremely efficient. We, we could turn a profit on like 200, you know, average order beat 800, 800 units. We turned a profit on like the first hundred or first 200 yeah. units. We always did that. So that was part of the problem though, is we learned how to just squeeze profit out of this stuff because we're very efficient on this. At the bigger side, we lost sight of building a much bigger, better business. But I would say appreciate to this day though, is that, when I would advise other magicians, oh, I'm going to build a product. I'm going to make 20,000 of them on my credit card. I'm like, that's the horrible idea. And, you know, I, I know a guy that's living in a warehouse now because he did that. And I'm like, it's just you try to explain where those margins come in. Well, Sorry, and, 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 and uh, I think it's important to learn the lesson and hold on to the lesson of, of what your quote unquote real job is. Uh, at the very height of my touring career in the college market, uh, there are a lot of people who got confused who thought, oh, my job is to have a very good show and to be a talented magician and go from place to place to place and be amazing. Um, I, on the other hand, was fortunate enough to figure out, oh, no, 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 no. My job is to babysit these students who are new freshmen from the hours of 6 until 7.30 and to make them feel like they've had an experience that they can bond over down the road later. Now, 
uh, I happen to do it by doing a magic show that I happen to think is pretty good, but built into that, like once you review it through that frame, you understand it's like, no, 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 that means that there needs to be moments that I cause people to interact with each other. There needs to be catchphrases that they can all quote at each other and remember, oh my yeah. God, we had that bonding experience together and so on. Um, uh, it's, uh, uh, and, and it's because of that, that, that down the road, I never got confused about what I was doing when I was doing you know, scam school, scam nation, monorogue, or any of that stuff. It's like, no, no, no. What I'm doing is I'm creating a community. You know, this is, this is the, uh, the, the, the center spoke, the axle around which everything else will spin. And then, like you said, build a think geek, uh, on top of it. I, and then Brian, like apps, it, it really, it's really people going back and just, kind of like re-listen to what brian said about that like really dissect what what the work is what the job is because i think the mistake i made so many times is i want to go do this oh they hired me to do this it's like they hired you because they want this thing here and in it children's entertainment like you could even apply like i was you know as a teenager at kids magic shows if i were to do that be like oh i know what i need to do i need to do like 10 minutes of magic and 20 minutes of cool photo apps for all the kids have cool photos to take home to their mom and show this correct because then it's going to look like oh this is an amazing well, i know there's 10 minutes of really good magic and then me like letting kids hold props or making them float, whatever because that's today like what's your job your job is to have that mom have a birthday party the dad have a birthday party everybody talks about how cool that is which means on social media they need to see photos of kids having a blast that's why think of things that do really well like bounce houses face painting all this because these are visible signs that people are having fun and and so. not not for nothing and and with all respect uh Penn and teller don't hang out for as long as their entire stage show that runtime they don't do that again to take photos out in front of their theater at the rio because they they just love the adoration or whatever. It's because they understand that the 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 real project that they're selling is the Penn and Teller experience, and yeah. part of that involves yes, you do have to bother to have a Penn and Teller show. Yes, you do have to have kind of a preamble that builds up to it, which is why Penn puts in the extra effort to play to jazz play beforehand, yep. and then and then afterwards, uh, part of the experience is another hour, hour and a half of hanging out, and not just you know okay, okay, okay for the photos, but instead having a good time, being engaged in in, no, in that is, interacting. If anybody's with never seen. Penn and Teller work a post-show line like that is you know pros they yes. are professional like uh, uh people they give you if you come in and, and you got that story that that oh my god like uh, I remember the first time that I saw blah, 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 oh blah. my god tell me all about it they will uh, they my will guess listen is to all of it between all you, of between it. you me and the wall uh they've probably heard all of your stories yes but they also are on duty and they're listening to you right now in that moment and that's and that's you know the biggest thing is that they know no matter what if somebody pays money they they might think that the pre-show music sucked they might not even like the show itself but they know for sure that if you want to talk to them you will talk to them and not a whole lot of other top flight, big name entertainers in Vegas are going to stand outside their show and, and, and listen to your story and, and give you a picture and give you a selfie. Like uh, uh, that is, that is, that is something that they are, that they are great, but that's because again, they know 
the real product. They know what they need to do. They know that, especially in a world where social media is a thing that, that every single night that they do a show, that's going to be just that many photos on Facebook. That's going to be that many more, uh, 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 pictures of spreading the word. And like, you know, uh, I'd say watching them specifically, you know, as they went through the real heyday of pre fool us where they were, where Penn was going on every reality competition show and they were doing every possible thing. And I forget where I heard him talk about it, but he was like, yeah, like our job is to fill hotel suites at the Rio. That's what we do. Like people come in, <laughs> yeah. they see the show and the show is good, but the show can be, you know, it can, it can go up and down, like in terms of, 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 of the thing, but the more people come to see us, the more people are definitely going to stay at the Rio, the more that we are, are golden there. That's our job. So me going on, you know, whatever, who can eat the most mustard, you know, on VH1. It's uh, my favorite show on VH1. <laughs> like, uh, uh, that's, he's into it. He's like, cool, as long as I get to say, I'm very excited to be here, uh, uh, coming right off stage at the Rio All Suites Hotel and Casino. Like, that's that's it. And that's, you know, th- those are people that that get the the, the, the point of it, get, get why they're doing it, and, and they will... And- uh, yeah, you, you will never go broke doing that. Here's, here's the part that somebody may not have heard us say yet is there's bliss in understanding what you're really up to, what you're really doing. What, what, um, you know, even, even the live shows that we do, what we're doing is we're, we're, uh, we're having communion. We're having fellowship We're we're gathering together as a community with, with, you know, we're, we're uh, detailing our shared values and, yeah. and that, and that makes all of us feel a little bit brighter for the rest of our day. And, um, nothing is taken away by saying, what you mean, we're not really here for the SpaceX commentary. Uh, you know, it's, 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 I don't know if I, I, I think there's bliss and it's important to know your real purpose. Yeah. I remember on the subject of the autograph line too, like David Copperfield for years, mm-hmm. you'd go to a David Copperfield show. David would sit there and he'd be there for an hour signing autographs. And also it was like, it, it helped. It did several things. One was the, you know, the, where they're selling all the merchandise, David will sign this after the show. Okay. Let me buy something. Uh, second was just fan building. You know, as a kid, I'd have David Copperfield poster on my wall signed by David Copperfield. And that was just like, that was a very smart thing that for, and he just built up that recognition and doing that. And like the Penn and Teller, he doesn't do that in Vegas anymore, but like, yeah, Penn and Teller, just the, the hangout, you're like, what, like the real and people are, it's weird. Cause like there are certain mediums where it's really bad. You're going to get everybody when the less anonymous, the medium generally the better behaved people are yeah um you know and, and it just a side note it's kind of relevant whatever like when one of the things we would do when we were running our magic business if we ever had a complaint or somebody was irate i would write back and i would try to solve it or justin would write back and i'd put my phone number there yeah i said hey just give me a call if you want to talk about it do you know how many people called me up nobody zero everybody yeah. appreciated zero. it though every single person yep um they're, they're, yeah, I, I, my, my, my move is I would give them my personal email. I would say, I would say, uh, uh, number one, first customer service rule, respond as fast as possible. Right. Like, even if it's mm-hmm. just looking into this, we will be in touch right back. The second you get it, if you can get an email back, 
then number one, you've you've taken away the biggest problem that you would have, which is I emailed them and they didn't even get back to me because everybody's version of they didn't even get back to me can range from ten minutes to uh, ten years, depending on on who you are and what your what your what your mindset is. But if you hit them back ASAP, then that's the thing. And then the second thing is like, yeah, give them the the like, all right, here's what I can find out. And oftentimes it's going to the same. USPS portal that they have access to, but it's like, according to the United States Postal Service, it, it should be here, it should be there. If it's not there in two days, please don't hesitate to call me at this number or here's my personal email address. Uh, uh, please hit me up and I will make sure that either you will get a, a new thing in the mail that I'll send out priority or your thing will arrive and everything will be fine. Uh, yep. And and uh, I guess one last one last note on top of that is in the spirit of figuring out what your real job is uh on top of all of that within every difficulty is an opportunity so oftentimes when somebody is upset because I'll, I'll get this stuff like in passing where it's for example david was laid out with covid and you know it, it had been two and a half yeah. three days this is david rowan who runs bizarre uh, scam stuff yeah, yeah yeah and so uh and so i saw that somebody was starting to get fired up and I just leapt in. I'm like, hey, it's Brian. This is my personal phone number. I'm not sure what's up, but it sounds like you're upset. Uh, what? Uh, please tell me everything. Also, here's here's a picture of my daughter. You know, like yeah. like like uh, just as as fast as I can. Real humans. Let's do real human stuff. Let's yeah. let's figure stuff out. Uh, yeah, it, it's the people business. Ultimately, every business is the people business. I. I want to close. This is actually touching back on something from weird things, but this was something that just came across my, my, my transom, which was apparently a statement on Reddit from a blue origin employee. Okay. Uh Oh, dear weird things podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Would no, you not please stop? Yeah, we, we, heard, we heard you talking. <laughs> uh, the TLDR employee here. Most, if not all of us do not agree with the recent PR campaign activity from blue. Uh, and basically if you would do a search, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's a, it's like, Hey, yeah, no, we're not happy with the way this has been happening. We root for other space companies. We're excited to see the Starship getting stacked, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was a very, very good sort of like inside of like, you know, one time we sometimes we attach on the meta thing. We, we, when we deal with people, we get upset about like, oh, I'm this, I'm angry at this company. Like one person somewhere made a decision. It's not everybody else. You know, yeah. it's not all of this. And also, you know? and even so that one people- person probably if you're at a cocktail party would say, yeah, probably should have thought of a different angle. I also think that, I don't know whether this is blue origin specifically or the national team in, in general, but that feels very Washington lobbyisty. And, and that is, that is a, a operation that is very far from the engineering of rockets. Yeah. There's there's Eric Berger, Berger, who did the wonderful book Lift Off, I highly recommend it. His tweet, his his tweets are really worth following on this. He'd put out what, some theories, and one of his theories is that the head of uh, Bob Smith, who's the head of SpaceX, I said head of which is the head of Blue Origin. He's like, uh, it may be his job on the line. He may have been told, "You've got to get this, or you're out." Is this, yeah. and so that might be very desperate sort of measures by this. But ultimately, it's Bezos, who I. I have an immense amount of respect for, uh, and I think is you know if, if he were more hands on a Blue Origin, I think it would be an incredibly capable company. But yeah, so anyhow, gentlemen, into picks. Um, I went and saw Free Guy. I'm sure it's a fine movie, but but boy, our movie theaters 
getting reaccustomed to how to run movie theaters. Um, uh, I, I did not have a great experience at the movie theater. What, 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 what happened? Not fun what happened? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, 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 the movie theater across the street used to, uh, uh, they, they didn't have much of a pre-show, so they would do crazy things like, here's an awesome 15-minute segment from The Princess Bride. They would play that beforehand or whatever. Yeah. Or you've got your Alamo Draft House, which is like, uh, uh, hey, here's a perfectly curated 35 minutes yeah. that, that tells all the stories that you need to know leading up to this movie, this Thanos snap, right? Um, this was the hottest of garbage of, of, of just uh, on-loop 15-minute uh, or 15 seconds of saying, make sure to download this app for the latest in Numi News or whatever yeah. the hell. And oh yeah, movie. Right, yeah, right, right. Whatever movie. it was, it was awful. And and uh, on the way in, you know, I said, hey, um, we're hungry and we are a half an hour before the movie. What is the best way for us to get service? And they said, go sit in your seat and we'll take care of you. Um, spoiler alert, they did not. They did not. <laughs> and uh, uh, the movie started, and I walked out, and I was like, what, what up? And they're like, they're like, uh, you're supposed to be in your seat, sir. I'm like, yeah, the movie has already started. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, fine, we'll send someone. And then yeah. uh, okay. we, got, yeah. we got a popcorn. It was awful. That, it was awful. That sucks. Uh, so, so hey, I, don't go I, see Free Guy. Uh, the story uh, here. Uh, I mean, that's, that's I, I honestly don't know how severely that impacted my experience of seeing Free Guy. What I otherwise, I think you know, seems big, like a fine ripoff of Mythic Quest. A big, a big test was, I think, the release of the Suicide Squad because that was free. If you had HBO Max, that was free. It wasn't one of these Disney pay thirty bucks. Yeah, and and we were like, oh, this is out, and we were like, we were planning to go see it in the theater, but then we're like, oh, we can watch it at home, and like. It was an edge case movie where we're like, mm, I want to see it at home. And, and that's, I think, movie theaters, when we're like, you're not too sure about the experience you're going to have, you'd rather see it at home than you're losing out. If you can't bring, make that experience in the movies better than being at home, then we, we stayed at home. I went across the street, got a couple frozen pizzas. We had popcorn ever. Great time. See, and, and it was like, and, and you got to compete with that. The the flip side is I have children, which means all movies are now presented in heckle vision uh, <laughs> by bad first time hecklers and, and so amateur hecklers. Yes, exactly. Every movie is amateur heckler night. And the only way to see them in silence <laughs> is to go to the from, movie Brian? theater. <laughs> Where did they pick this, this up from, Brian? I, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got a quick pick. Go if you're thinking. Pick, pick it quick. Uh, we we finished Hannibal a few weeks ago on it's spoiler in time, and uh, I kept threatening the guys that we should find a way to do a movie marathon of the Hannibal Lecter movies, and I have I have since fallen on the sword and taken it upon myself to go watch those films. And I have to say, uh, a uh, the Silence of the Lambs is free on YouTube. You can just go and watch it. That and um, what was the second one after that? Hannibal. You can go watch both of those just for free on YouTube. YouTube yeah. has in there. Um, Silence of the Lamb really holds up. I think this is really interesting. And uh, being able to contrast it with the show that, that we just watched where Hannibal um, is, is, is a little more flamboyant, is, is a little as, as kind of a different perspective than Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter. Um, I, I think it, it's, it's fantastic. I, I think it's, it's a really, really solid story. 
um, with, with good stakes. I don't know that Hannibal or Red Dragon are quite at the same level, especially because they don't have Judy Foster. Uh, but Spoiler alert, they're not. <laughs> or, or Jody. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, uh, you know what? It, but it was a thing where I could. T- I said, hey, I want to watch this thing, and I put it in Google, and Google says, we've got it for free, dude. So, um, Which was- movies did you watch? Uh, so I did watch Silence of the Lambs. I did finish Hannibal, and I uh, am midway through Red Dragon. Oh, so you haven't? I didn't. Okay. I didn't. I, but I think I saw Red Dragon as a kid. So and so and yeah, but, you but, but, st- yeah, you you didn't see what Red Dragon the original Red Dragon Manhunter. Yeah, Manhunter. I have not seen Manhunter. That's right. It's a Manhunter in your life. And then there's because yeah. Brian 80s. Cox is Hannibal Lecter, right? I want to yep. see that. I want to see yeah. the succession. Yep. And that's that's this is a very that Lecter was great. It was a very and that's the as his and and uh anthony hopkins i think are both phenomenal versions of this the the, the thing with hannibal is that is if you read if you read those the 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 books and then if you read like high smith's talented mr ripley you see that he starts trying to shape him into a mr ripley type character which it was a very influ- it's not obvious in red dragon but i'm not obvious in like silence and then a bit more once you get to hannibal you're like this is ripley you know, this is very much like that, which I think that at the at the loss of what made Hannibal great, because also he's trying to like in the talented Mr. Ripley, those books, like they're trying to like you're watching a sociopath is very adaptive. And if you watch like the later one, they did those movies are check those out. Read talented, sure. watch talented Mr. Ripley. Then there's the follow up with uh, John Malkovich playing that character. And it's very you pick up a lot of similar themes with like later on with him, like Hannibal trying to have a normal life and whatever and being a sociopath hmm. and Malkovich just Malcolm Edge. Yeah. Um, and it uh, was, and, and it's been cool to kind of recontextualize parts of the Hannibal TV show and see how they adapted and pulled and kind of uh, rearranged the timeline from what's in the movies and what's in the books and stuff. So uh, pretty easy to find. One, one, of, my, one of my favorite uh, stories about Anthony Hopkins playing Hannibal Lecter is uh, I forget where I got this from, but it was uh, Jim Carrey recounting a conversation that he had with Hannibal Lecter or with, uh, with Anthony Hopkins. And uh, Jim Carrey's like, oh, well, you know, for Ace Ventura, I, I patterned all of the body movements off a bird. And oh. so it's like just the way he like moves, he moves like a bird. And Anthony Hopkins got really excited. And he's like, oh, I did the same thing with Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, like, what? What was it? He's like, it was a spider. And then oh, the, yeah. way, the way that uh, 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 Jim Carrey describes it is like all of a sudden, Anthony Hopkins just like transforms like into in Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. You realize like, like, oh my God, this is this is just an amazing thing. But, but for somebody that obviously Jim Carrey, because he is so kinetic, you think of him as a very you know visual, uh, physical performer. But but you don't think of it until like you you watch uh, Silence of the Lambs and you're like, oh, that dude's a spider. And yeah. you're like, damn, you're right, he's spidering around. There was. Uh, every year my agent comes from New York to LA and she stays at the super swanky Beverly Hills hotel. Cause she comes out and go like, you know, go talk to the studios. And so we go have dinner, you know, at a place that's way more sophisticated than I am. And I walk in there and I always feel so awkward because like everybody's fancy and sophisticated. And like in my first years, I'd get, I pull up in my scion with a dented door, you know? <laughs> and, uh, we're sitting there once I'm sitting, sitting for dinner and, uh, we look over and it's small dining room. There's not a few, not a people there. And the perfect thing you've ever seen was sitting at a table, at the, like just two tables over, is this Anthony Hopkins reading his Kindle. 
<laughs> just eating wow. dinner, just reading his Kindle. And it was just is just as like he looked like proper guy just sitting there reading, consuming his dinner. And it was just like this. I'm like, this is this is how I imagined him, you know? Yes. And I didn't he, say anything, didn't I? I was just, just happy to see him in his element like that. He was probably there shooting Westworld. Oh. Oh yeah, that would have been around the time. Yeah. Uh so uh my pick off of all of that would be um it's a movie that like is I don't remember how much I loved it or didn't love it, but I do remember how much I loved Malkovich's performance in it because, you know, John Malkovich, but that is Ripley's game, which is, if you ever see the talented Mr. Ripley, it's just watching that character. So it's a very, it's another, uh, very, you know, sociopath sort of character. So that was like back in like 2002. Yeah. Which, Um, wow. So so O2 Malkovich. So that's around being John Malkovich. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Ninety-two percent on like Rotten Tomatoes, according to Wikipedia. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize how many times they. Like, yeah, it was America. How many times like that story had been adopted before? But you know, if you just you see like elements like I do this in my books, like like my my Jessica Blackwood, my first book was very much inspired by like aspects of Silence of Lambs and this and that, and like you you see this and then you watch how much Harris like I th- I think was influenced by Highsmith Ripley. So yeah, if you like Hannibal, check that out. Nice. Cool. Uh, uh, last quick pick. After I watched Suicide Squad, I was on a flight and they had uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 for free. And so I watched the first half. Spoiler alert. Script's awesome. It's just such a great script. It's great. Every, every thing adds to another thing. Everything is, is, is motivated by the thing that happened before. It's like uh, uh, people will go back through that first couple phases of Marvel movies and, and, and you will just kind of understand it just mapped the, you know, cinema. Like it just is such an yeah. achievement. Yeah, that's the. I don't know if we're gonna see more of that from Marvel. I don't know uh, of of that. I, 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 not not to open up. Like I, I I know we gotta wrap up, but but <laughs> but it's like man, I got I got fifteen to twenty minutes more in the tank where all I could do is talk about how loosey goosey the MCU has gotten and about how. By virtue of everything being celestial, I've lost interest in uh, everything. All, all I'll say is that if you lined all ten rings up together and put a percentage at the end of it, that's my excitement level. Uh, but I don't know. It's I'll been... see him. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I, I was uh, we, uh, a Marvel conversation can happen another time. Hope it's great. Me too. Always hoping. I like the talent. I've liked the talent in other stuff and. Marvel is consistently. Ever, I will say this, with a few notable exceptions. Uh, uh, by and large, whenever I've been like, "Wow, how are they gonna do this?" I've walked out of the theater saying, "Wow, that was really good." Gentlemen, it's been weird, but it's after. It's after. It's been weird because it's not after. It's, after. it's been weird right. that it's so after. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.